Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Insights Podcast. If you are new here, hi, I'm your host, Sienna. You can call me C, Sienna, Mamacita, Vanessa, truly whatever floats your boat. If you have been rocking with me for a while now and you are returning to the sound of my voice, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be in community with you. And I have no plan for today, y'all. It is February 1st, so happy first, happy February. We have officially made it through the first month of 2022, which is kind of wild because I feel like January went on forever, but now we're in the second month and I feel like we're going to blink and it's going to be like October. Does anyone else feel that way? Like was January not super freaking long? Um, okay, cool. Either way, it is the first of a new month and y'all know that I love first. I love fresh starts, new beginnings. And like, do you have to wait for a Monday or a first to start something? Absolutely not. But there for me is just like this magic energy about it. And so I hope that y'all are feeling that energy and that you are feeling just inspired and rejuvenated and empowered. And if you're not Hopefully, this podcast episode can help you get there. This is going to be a very chaotic podcast because it's fully just intentional chaos. It's going to be just the inner workings of my mind. Um, In other words, it's going to be a brain dump. There have just been a couple of things living rent-free in my head, and I have spoken about a variety of them to different people, but I just want to like get them all out of my body, like put them out into the world, into the universe and see if y'all have any thoughts, feelings, emotions, etc. So the first thing that I want to talk about is like realism and when people tell you to be realistic, because I hate when people tell me to be realistic, because for me, it's almost like fear. I guess it's not fear mongering. It's like projecting their fears onto me. I honestly think that's what it is, because to be realistic, normally they're telling you to like think smaller, right? To take consider to take consideration into I can't speak to consider the averages or take into consideration the like traditional path, right? And I hear that and I don't think it comes from a bad place, but anytime someone has told me to be realistic, it's always because they're trying to like minimize my plan or my dream, or they're telling me that I'm like dreaming too big or like I'm living in a fantasy world. But like, what's wrong with being delusional? Here's my thing. Okay, if I'm gonna be totally, totally honest, to be realistic in my opinion, literally means to consider the averages, right? Think about what happens to the average person. Think about what most frequently or most commonly happens because that's realistic, right? Statistically, your highest probability is going to be to fall within that median range. But I am not average. I have no desire to be average. I have no desire for my life to be determined or categorized by averages. And so why would I then be realistic? Why not would I lead my life with just like blinding optimism and delusion that like I am a miracle and miracles happen to me because in the same way that like average or horrible things happen on a day-to-day basis and I think we can all agree and like that's shitty and that's true right like both it both exist at the same time miracles are also happening every single day to people all around us and i think very much like law of attraction what you focus on you attract and so i focus on the miracles i focus on the positive i focus on the things that bring me joy and light me up and that just feels so serendipitous and divine and i fully believe in like divine timing and divine alignment and so why would i be realistic like to me it's just projecting the fears of like, well, that's not going to happen for you because I don't believe it. And it's like, that's great. You don't have to believe it, but I do. And let me also say, right, like when it comes to safety and things like absolutely be cautious. I posted actually this week, last week, like a couple days ago, I posted on my Instagram story asking y'all if you check underneath your car slash the back seat before you unlock your car and get in. And the reason that I actually asked this was because I was watching LA's Finest, which is a TV like cop show, investigation show, uh, not featuring, starring, starring Gabrielle Union and Jessica Alba. 
Great show. Really upset that there's only two seasons because the pandemic. Maybe we can get a petition for a third season. I like it's such a cliffhanger. It's so obviously set up to have more seasons. So bring it back. But while that's a great show, that's not the point of today. So bringing it back to like on topic, so to speak, is there was a scene where this person and I don't want to ruin it, but I feel like this happens in every like cop investigation show ever. So hopefully this isn't a spoiler Like someone gets into their car and then there was someone just sitting in the backseat and they like pull out a gun or a knife or something to the person and they're like, drive, we're going for a drive, blah, blah, blah. And I just think like, why would you not check your backseat before you get in? And honestly, part of it could be my anxiety. And I I am not diagnosed, but I like sincerely in my heart believe I have high functioning anxiety. Um, I also think that every American still living in America has a level of anxiety, but maybe that's a topic for another day. Um, I'm talking fast. Let me like slow down. <laughs> um, I told y'all this is going to be a chaotic episode. It truly is just a brain dump. And so when I am thinking about like safety precautions and things like that, then of course, be realistic, be cautious, right? Like, I just absolutely, as a woman, as a solo traveler, like, I I think there is no harm and there is always benefit to being vigilant of your surroundings. But when I'm talking about like dreams and life paths and taking giant leaps in your life, um, kind of stepping out on faith, so to speak, I just don't understand why I would be realistic when. I have no desire to live a life that is average or, you know, defined by mediocrity. And if you want that for yourself, like sincerely, no shade, no tea, do that for you, right? Like not everyone wants a super extravagant life. People, a lot of people, Kaleeb and I talk about this all the time. Um, And shout out to you if you're listening, babe. But we talk about it all the time where like there's days where I want a super luxurious life that is not, how do I say this? It's like extravagant and it's full of luxury, but it's never excessive. Um, And then there are other days where like I could truly work at a coffee shop for the rest of my days and like be a local in a small town and just travel and be content with that. But I guess my point is to say that no matter where my life takes me, no matter what path I end up taking or which paths, because I think you can have multiple paths uh, that I end up like trialing, so to speak, none of it is going to be defined by other people's experiences and the average life. And therefore, to me, I don't want to be realistic. I love living in delusion. I love living believing that I am a miracle and that I attract miracles and that miracles happen all around me and that, you know, abundance flows and follows me. Like that is what I believe. And it absolutely can be delusional, but life is fake. I don't know. Like everything matters and nothing matters. Like you get to decide how you live your life. And I think there's such a liberation in that. And there's such like a generational gap because for a lot of at least the people around me, like the generation above or two generation above. So like, you know, dad, titis, like that generation. And then like grandparents, that generation, they very much were living a life where their goal was to survive. Their goal was to like socially mobilize, right? Or financially mobilize upwards to try and provide a better life for their kids. And as, you know, like a not beneficiary. I don't know if that's a word. As someone who benefits from that, maybe it is beneficiary. As someone who benefits from that, I'm extremely grateful for that. But what I've said to my dad before, because we've had this conversation, is my goal in life is different. My goal is not to survive, it is to thrive. And so to thrive, there is no, I guess, value and being realistic because thriving isn't the average. It's not the norm for a lot of people, which is sad because I really want everyone to thrive and I think that everyone deserves to thrive. But the reality is that not a lot of people focus on thriving. They focus on surviving and making marginal steps towards like happiness. And that's great, but that's not how I choose to live my life. I don't want to be happy. I want to be joyous. And I think there is an inherent difference because happiness is fleeting, as is every emotion. But for me, joy is like a state of being and the way that I like try and emphasize and capitalize on the joy that I feel 
And by living in a state of joy is by living in a state of gratitude. I think they're so interwoven. They're so linked. And I've spoken about this before, but like I do daily gratitude practices. I pray every single morning. It is the absolute first thing I do when I open my eyes. And it's always a prayer of gratitude. And then at night, I will like ask for things uh, for myself and for my community and et cetera. But I always start my day off just like literally counting my blessings and being grateful for everything that I have, being grateful that I'm seeing another day that I'm opening my eyes. And I think when you live in Sorry if my voice is raspy. Uh, when you live in a state of like gratitude and joy, then joy just follows you. That was a whole lot of nothing. So like I'm again, I'm fully just ranting. Uh, so if you haven't already, go grab a glass of water or wine or hot cocoa or whatever your heart desires. Actually, definitely grab a glass of water. Like even if you want wine or hot cocoa, like go off, do that. Also, let's be hydrated in this house, please and thank you, and grab some water. Actually, I have water right here. I'm going to take a sip with you all. So go, go get your water. Ready? Stand up from wherever you are and start walking towards your kitchen and go grab a glass of water. And as you do that, I'm going to take a sip with you. Ready? So good. Okay. So now that we are hydrated or we're on our way to get hydrated because you should still be getting your glass of water, let's move on to talk about dating preferences. This came up and is always just such a like fun and spicy topic because everyone has preferences and everyone's preferences are different. And let me start off by saying that when I am posting or asking about preferences, I am never doing so with the intent to have people justify their preferences to me you don't have to justify shit to me. Like they're your preferences. Go off, live your life. I simply am trying to start conversations. Truly. I like engaging with people. I like pushing people to think more critically and forcing them to articulate their stances more eloquently. And ultimately just like it enhances my point of view because it forces me to articulate my point of view and my stance. And so that's really where all of this came from, or like that's my intent. Where it came from was I feel like on TikTok and on my like FYP, I've been seeing a lot of like dating coaches, femininity coaches or like alpha male who like how to attract the feminine, blah, blah, blah. And like, what y'all, can we just admit that a man with a podcast is just not it? And I say that as a podcaster, but like I'm a woman and I'm me like take away gender like I'm Sienna. So it's just different. Um. That could definitely get clipped and cause me trouble, but it's fine. But yeah, circling back to dating preferences, I've been seeing a lot of just like these coaches all around the internet. And it's really interesting because I'm not shitting on coaches at all. I just don't understand why they exist. And I think the reason that I don't understand it is because they make a lot of blanket statements about how men or women interact or like how to attract feminine energy or masculine energy or how to lead with one of those energies, et cetera. But ultimately, they're always telling you to like alter yourself. And I just think it's really weird because I preach authenticity and I firmly believe that my like goal and purpose and mission in life is to empower people to live as authentically as they possibly can and to feel empowered in living in their truth and living their authentic lives. And so it's really interesting to me that so many of these people are like gaining notoriety and fame and et cetera for telling people to change. And what I really don't like about that is that they're telling you to like go into dating as if it's a game. And I don't mean that it's not fun, right? I think dating should be fun and freeing and exploratory. Um, but it's not a game. Like, I don't understand why you would go into dating being inauthentic and then expecting authentic, fulfilling results. Like, to me, that simply doesn't make sense, right? If you're not being yourself in the dating space, and if you're not really in alignment with who you are, then you're not going to find something that's in alignment with who you are and who you want to be and where you want to go because you weren't presenting yourself in the dating space. And like, yes, everyone puts their best foot forward. Absolutely. But that's very different than like being inauthentic to who you are. Like if you are not someone who leads with feminine energy, then don't like lead as who you are. I just think it's really interesting that like 
to succeed in dating, we're told that like you must cleanly fit into like a category of like a super hyper feminine woman or a like hyper masculine male. Like it doesn't make sense to me that that's what people feel they need to do. I just feel like you should allow yourself to be authentic and like navigate the dating space in whatever feels authentic to you. With that being said, absolutely everyone has preferences and everyone's allowed to have preferences. And so I had asked y'all like dating preferences on who pays first. And pretty much across the board, the preference was that either the person who invites the other on the date pays. So whoever's like, will you go out with me? Or like, let's go on a date. Whoever initiates the date should pay and or the man should pay. Like men and women, that was the overwhelming majority on the polls that I did on my Instagram stories. So obviously widely applicable to the US, right? Um, Sarcasm, if you didn't pick that up. But yeah, so I agree with those preferences that kind of tracks for the people that I surround myself with. Um, I am someone who I was thinking about this. And again, everything I feel like has been inspired by TikTok lately, which I kind of hate, but it's fine. Um, I saw (laughs) this girl that was like, my preference is liberal men who look conservative and I will not be elaborating. And I thought that was so funny. But if I had to like bite size my preference in like a tweet or in something of that nature, I would say my preference is a traditionally mannered man with a modern mindset. And what I mean by that is traditional manners in the sense of I want to be courted. I like being courted. I like when a man makes a plan and is like, I'll pick you up at seven. I like receiving flowers and having my door opened for me and etc. However, I want the modern mindset of doing that because that's how you want to show me your love and affection as opposed to actually let me focus on what it is. Modern mindset being like that's how you want to show me care and affection and understanding that like those are all really kind and nice gestures but they're not necessary right? Like, I don't need you to do these things for me. I need you to know and acknowledge that, like, I'm fully capable of opening my own door or, you know, booking my own appointment or just, like, being by myself, right? Like, I can thrive and be single and et cetera. Like, I don't need a man. I am in this relationship or, like, in this courtship with you because I enjoy what you bring to the table because I enjoy what I'm, like, getting from this relationship. Not in a transactional way, but in a like, if you're not getting anything from a relationship, you shouldn't be a part of it. Like everyone benefits from every relationship that they're in. And if you don't, if you aren't benefiting from any kind of relationship, like platonic, romantic, et cetera, then I don't understand why you would be in it. But all of that to say, like, I like those traditional manners. I like being courted. I like being like cared for, for a lack of better words. But I need it to be from a place of like, this is simply how I desire to treat you because this is like the way that I show love and because I feel like you deserve this treatment, not from a like, this is how all women are treated and like in return, you must do this and like you wouldn't be able to live the life you have without me and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want any of that kind of traditional mindset. And of course, there are remnants and like, you know, pay gap, men make more than women. Um, for like the same job and et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, like I honestly, I haven't fully articulated this well, so I don't know if that's going to make sense to y'all. It makes sense in my mind, but I struggle to articulate it, I think in a way that would make sense to other people. So the people that get it, get it. And the people that don't, don't. Um, But yeah, that's just my personal preference is like, I would prefer for a man to pay on a first date, especially. But I also was raised that like with anyone, romantic friends, et cetera, it's rude not to offer. And I don't know, like I'm not offering to cover it. Like that's that's really not what I'm doing, but I'm offering to like cover my part, especially on a first date. Like once I'm in a relationship, I love to like 
treat my man and, you know, take him on dates and et cetera. And like, there are absolutely things where I'm going to cover or like I give gifts. That's one of the ways that I like show love. It's not my receiving love language, but it's definitely one of my giving love languages is gifts because I like to make things personalized. And I think gifts are a really easy way to do that. Gifts and acts of service, I think, are the way that I like try to show love. Honestly, I do all of them. Words of affirmation, like it's really everything. Um, but I forget where I was going with that. Where was I going, y'all? We're talking about dating preferences. Oh, yes. So like when we're dating, then my like preference is absolutely different. But in the like courting phase, I feel I want to be courted. Um, And so that's my preference is that like the man, because I'm heterosexual and so I'm only dating men, uh, pay. But I also understand and fully support the preference of like whoever ask the person out is whoever should pay. I will say I had a handful of women be like, you know, they voted for whoever asked the other person out as the person that should pay. And then they'd be like, and I'd never ask a man out. So like the preference is kind of both ways there, right? Because you're saying like, you know, it's not because he's a man, it's because he asked, but then you're also acknowledging that like, I simply will never be the one initiating a date. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of like a double-edged sword in that way. Um, or like a trick coin where ultimately both roads lead to the same end. Um, still on the topic of dating, I also posted or I reposted rather this graphic that was asking about dating people at work. And there were four options. The first was like, uh, yes, it's fine as long as neither one of us are each other's supervisors. So basically we're at like equal levels or we're in uh, different departments. The second was like, yes, it's fine um the third was that no it always gets messy and the fourth was like other and then you just dm me your answer and pretty much a majority of people said no it gets messy what i thought was really funny was that someone voted no it's get ugh. no it gets messy sorry for the tongue twister uh but then they were like i say this is someone who like met my husband at work which i just thought was funny i think for me, it's actually a larger thing because I think it's really normal to date people at work, especially if you're like in office. Obviously, the past three years, virtual and like remote work has literally increased like exponentially. I don't know what the actual stats are, but I'm I'm positive it's exponential. Um, but before that, right, like before very recent times out of force, not even because the world like evolved, right, literally out of force because of a pandemic. Um you really were in office at work a majority of your days. And so it makes sense that you're going to date someone from work because those are the people that you're around. And proximity is a huge part of dating. I'm convinced, right? And so when I think about like meeting people post-grad, not even a romantic context, literally just meeting people that I like want to be friends with or et cetera, it's not easy. It's simple and it's difficult, right? And I think that confuses a lot of people because like, go out more, go up to people, download like dating apps and look for friends, etc. Yes, right? Like the things that you can do to meet people and put yourself out there is simple. We all know what they are, but that doesn't make them easy to do, right? It's difficult. You have to overcome like social norms, social anxiety, a variety of things. You have to put yourself out there. And that's uncomfortable and that's not easy for a lot of people. And so to me, it makes sense that the people that you're around the most being at work, you would start to develop some sort of feelings for, especially because I think there's two not guaranteed, but like they're in your favor things, which is that if you're meeting someone at work, you're either in a similar season of life, right? Because you ended up at the same place and or you have similar like personal missions or things that you support, right? You're not work for a company. Well, that's not true. Generally speaking, people work for companies where they align with the mission, right? And so you're doing work that you're like excited by or that you support and they're also working at the same place. So it's more likely that y'all are excited by the same kinds of work that y'all support the same mission. Even again, like if you're in different departments, you can have the same end goal, but are like helping in 
different ways and different capacities, but like that's a common interest. And so I think to meet someone at work makes a lot of sense because you have a very basic understanding of like this person's interests and where, you know, what they believe in and what they work towards. Of course, there's nuances and I'm not saying this is like a guarantee or a blanket statement. It just makes sense to me. With that being said, I definitely think it gets tricky. I I personally couldn't see myself dating a boss. Um, I also don't like being told what to do in general, so that really wouldn't work for me. But I definitely think there's a conflict of interest and it can get super tricky and unprofessional. But it's not shocking to me that you meet someone at work. I would say like if you are going to date someone at work, date in different departments, right? Or date in like an equal level. Um, so if you're both entry level or associates or et cetera, I would try to avoid dating people in different levels because that there could always just be a conflict of interest in that regard. Um, and then speaking of work, I, so my mind is going all over the place. Remember how earlier I said, I think all the people in the U S who were born in the U S like have a level of anxiety. And I like firmly believe that I have high functioning anxiety, as I've said, sorry, if you hear my chair, I was adjusting. Um, but I was thinking about this and I was telling my friend Alexis, shout out to you if you're listening, um, because I just think like American culture is so hyper focused on productivity in the sense of like what you can produce and how you can drive revenue. And it's normally for other people, right? Like Americans don't on the whole view rest as productive. Hopefully that's changing. I think that is changing based on, you know, the viral LinkedIn posts that I see every once in a while. But as a whole, like American culture is very much driven by capitalism and like how much revenue you can bring a company and how much you can produce in a short amount of time. Um, Then instead of giving you the rest of the time off, they're like, okay, you can produce a lot in a little bit. So we're just going to overwhelm you and have you produce more and more and more. And it's very much like the rat race. And I think that inherently develops a sense of anxiety because a lot of Americans don't know how to rest. A lot of Americans don't see the value in resting. And I make this key point of like born and still currently living in America because when you are immersed in different culture, it is so natural to grow accustomed to that lifestyle, right? Like it takes, I think, more effort not to grow accustomed to it than it does to. And so I think about, and I hate saying this because I'm... I'm such a walking cliche. I'm like rolling my eyes as I even think about saying it, but but it is true. Um, and that is when I studied abroad that semester abroad, like really changed my life. And not because I like fell in love with the place, want to move there. I mean, do I love Italy? Yes, it's Italy. But do I want to live the rest of my days there? No. But my point being that like when I was there, it really showed me that when I am removed from my community, when I am left to my own devices, I'm okay. And like it reaffirmed that I am capable and competent and able to do things that scare me, to do new things and to problem solve and keep myself out of trouble and navigate an entirely new place in an entirely different language than what I speak. And there's just such like an empowerment in that and realizing that like I truly got myself right like I will be okay I am capable I am competent I am strong and all of those things I think are really empowering really reaffirming and so that I think is really like the biggest reason that living abroad changed my life because it reaffirmed like my my competency and gave me like that extra push to feel more comfortable just like solo traveling or taping taking giant leaps in my life, et cetera, et cetera. But the other part of that also is like the culture in Italy and Europe as a whole, to be honest, is so different from America in the sense that they value productivity for sure. But the attitude is very much like we work to live as opposed to we live to work. And I think more and more of like my generation and I would say like the generation above, like millennials, zillennials, which Kaleeb actually introduced me to, which is, I think like, it's a very like niche group of people who I would say had like 
a millennial upbringing, but with Gen Z influences. Um, like Gen Z and millennials just had drastically different upbringings. But when you are a zillennial, and I would say probably like 95 to like 99, I feel like if you're born in between, then you're probably a zillennial because you had a more millennial upbringing. But the Gen Z influences came young enough in your childhood that like you can fully relate to Gen Z, like the major trends, right? In a way where like it's not something you have to like learn or stay on top of. It is a part of like your pop culture and like the culture that you're a part of. But your like millennial upbringing also allows you to relate to a time where like you were in between. You were reared without technology, but it came like young enough in your life that you know the habits, you know how to navigate it without having to take a course or ask a lot of people for help. Um, but all of that to say, I forget what my point was, y'all. Hold on. What was my point? We were just chatting about being a zillennial, which I think is a very real thing. And productivity is where we were going. Okay, cool. We're back on track. And so I think like in America, a lot of like millennials, zillennials, Gen Z, et cetera, like we have very much redefined productivity and are like at the forefront of that movement. And I think there's so much value in that. But culturally speaking, I think America is still very hyperproductive, very like revenue, capitalism, consumer driven. Whereas in Europe, at least from my experience, their whole thing is that like, yes, you need a job so that you can make money to live your life. But the emphasis is truly on like community and living your life as opposed to simply driving up excessive amounts of revenue for companies and capitalism and all of that. And so it was just such a different way of living. And that honestly was the biggest like shift for me because until you are out of the culture that you're like born into and that you're used to, it is difficult to see all of the flaws, right? And I know that like a lot of people can criticize their own communities. I do it all the time. But I guess what I'm saying is you don't realize the extent of it until you're removed from it, until you're literally able to take, I guess, like a physical step back and kind of like a bird's eye view on the culture. Do you realize how drastically different it is? And I don't love the work environment in America. I think it's really toxic, generally speaking. But so all of that to say, like with the anxiety, I think you don't realize how much of it you've internalized or how much of it you have. You just consider it commonplace, right? Like a lot of people don't think they have anxiety, but they'll be like, yeah, I get really nervous before I perform. I always have to pee or I always feel like throwing up before giving a presentation and like there's a reason for that, right? It's because we put so much pressure on like our performance because it's tied to the revenue that we can bring in or, you know, the reputation in the company and like our ability to socially and culturally and financially mobilize upwards. And there's so much there. Like the social me really wants to pop out and I won't entirely. But if you understand anything of what I'm saying, then this will make sense to you. And I don't really see this community in particular giving me a lot of pushback for what I'm saying here. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the main reasons why I think like every American who still lives in America has a level of anxiety, because if you don't still live in America, then you've probably been able to take a step back and unlearn a lot of the anxiety, like conditioning, for lack of a better word, that you've been like raised and reared with. Whereas if you're still in America, then even if you can acknowledge it the way that I can, it's still like prevalent in your day to day life. It's still a part of like the infrastructure of society that you have to navigate in. And so you naturally adopt those traits despite your best efforts. Um, but all of that to say, I was thinking about like the chokehold that work from home has on me. And I love working from home. I think there is, it is such a blessing and it's such a privilege and there are a lot of benefits, but circling back to this like anxiety piece of it, I always feel guilty leaving my like computer. Like obviously if I need to use the bathroom or whatever, that's different. But like even going upstairs to grab a snack, like I bring my phone and like have the Teams like app open. Um 
because I just am convinced, and I know that this is entirely illogical, and that's part of the reason why it's anxiety, but I am convinced that, like, the one time that I leave my desk and I don't have, like, a legitimate reason, then that is going to be the time where, like, all of my supervisors hit me up and are like, Sienna, we need you right now. Like, we need you specifically to, like, problem solve or, like, I made a massive mistake that just got caught or whatever. Like, I just in my head like that is the time when that's going to happen. And I know a lot of people that like work from home. Well, I don't know them personally, but I know in general, a lot of people work from home and like will do a target run in the middle of the day or will like book nail appointments or et cetera. And just be like, oh, yeah, I'm working. But like they're on their phone. And honestly, I love that for them because like reclaim your time. And also like I could never because of my anxiety. Like I just I would get so nervous that like there's a random impromptu meeting and what am I supposed to do answer and be like oh I'm off camera because I'm getting a pedicure like that's just I don't know it's just I don't do good with getting in trouble I like don't I wasn't someone who got in trouble a lot as a kid and so I don't like getting in trouble I don't like having to confront or conflict with like authority so to speak like it's not it's not for me it's not my ministry I don't support it um but Also thinking about like when I was talking about dating at work and the kind of the greater thing was like how it's hard to meet people as a postgrad. It's simple, but it's difficult. And I think for me, like I love the idea of a hybrid model and I don't always want to work a nine to five. I don't really have one career title that I want. I'm super like multi-passionate. There's so many things that I love doing and that I would want to do to like uplift my communities and you know, make a living for myself. And yeah, that's just what I want. So I don't know what the title is, but for the seasons of my life where I am working a nine to five, because I think there's a lot of benefits to being an employee and I always value, and I've said before, like, I think there is such a beauty in being an entrepreneur and an employee. Um, And so when I think about being an employee and like working a nine to five, I think a hybrid model is where I would thrive, especially if I could curate which days I go in, because I would probably do Monday, Fridays, I work from home. That way I can like ease myself in and ease myself out of the weekend. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if I had to go in office, one, it would give me like a very clear separation of work and home. And I love that. And I've been a huge advocate for that. Like I don't work in my room. I try not to podcast in my room either, to be honest, because when I'm in my room, it's really the only space that's like entirely mine. Right. And when you are in a space that's entirely yours, you get to be just you. Like, I don't have to be Sienna, the employee, Sienna, the podcaster, Sienna, the sister, the cousin, the daughter, the et cetera. I truly just get to be Sienna and like whoever I want to be at my core. But when I'm outside of that space and think about like for some people, it's their home. For others, it's just their room. Like when you think about whatever your space is, when you're outside of that space, like you're playing a role, right? You're and that's not to say it's not who you are, but like you are automatically placed into a role in relation to others. You are the sibling, the child, the parent, the employer, employee, etc. Where you're in your space, you get to just be you outside of like the conditions or expectations of any of the roles that you play. And I think that's such a liberating feeling and it's really important to like preserve that space as sacred. And so for me, like that's my room. And so my room I can work out and I can sleep and I can read and I can whatever, but that is where I get to just be Sienna. And that's why I have my desk outside of my room because it's just a desk, but it very much is like a physical indication that when I'm sitting at this desk, like it is work time, right? I am podcasting, I am producing, I am, you know, being an employee, et cetera, all of those things. And for me, it's been really helpful to have that like physical and mental separation. That way, when I walk into my room, it's not tainted with like the anxieties of the projects that I didn't finish or the tasks of tomorrow, but it truly is like an entire space dedicated to just my rest and relaxation and recovery and rejuvenation. And so I think hybrid models do a really great job at like allowing people to exercise that right and really build those habits. And also, there is a lot of value in like being physically around people, right? Like if this pandemic has showed us anything on like a social scale, I think it shows us how much we need community, how much we need art, how much we crave, you know, community interactions on any level, right? Even small talk, like people miss small talk. 
I'm not one of those people, but nonetheless, like people miss being around people, right? You miss your work bestie and all of that jazz. And so I think there's value in that. And I just think about how work from home entirely, I don't think is my ideal, although I fully acknowledge that it's a privilege and it has its privileges. I think hybrid should be kind of the standard because I think you should give people the flexibility to work from home when they want and when they need. But I absolutely think there's value in like having, you know, a group of coworkers, a team together on a regular basis to the extent that they can. And so those are kind of my thoughts on that. Um, Something else that I've been thinking about that's just been living rent free in my head is this idea of like chemistry versus compatibility. And this is not groundbreaking. I am not by any means the first or last person to say this, but I think it just really clicked for me recently. And that was a super cool, almost liberating. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I think maybe liberating. Um, Just like not discovery, just like alignment, I guess, when it finally clicked and it clicked and it finally, wow, y'all, uh, made sense to me. Because for so long, I thought that chemistry inherently meant compatibility. And I disagree with that now. I think it's almost like a square in a rectangle where every pair of people that are compatible have chemistry, but not every pair of people that have chemistry are compatible. And I thought that's what it was for a long time. But now I've realized that there are a lot of people I have chemistry with, there are a lot of people who I just. I can bounce off of and we can be flirty and fun and silly and deep and we can like have nuances in our relationship that just feel effortless, that feel really fun and authentic to both of us. And that is chemistry, right? That kind of like when I interact with you and I just get excited to interact with you because I like who I am when I'm with you. I like how I show up and I like who you are, obviously, right? And I like how you show up. And I think that is chemistry, but compatibility is about the long term. And so I think chemistry is very rooted in the present. And that's why it can be so exciting because if you don't have chemistry in the present, then you're not going to even focus on like compatibility or moving forward. But a lot of people will think, okay, we're aligned now, or we have this kind of energy exchange now, but that doesn't mean that you have the same goals, that you have the same like path for yourself, that you have the same values, right? And so that I think is compatibility. And I think actually compatibility has a lot to do with your past because for me as someone who like lives my life very intentionally the reason that i am the way i am is because i've done a lot of like the inner work i've done a lot of light work i've done a lot of healing um and i've taken the time to intentionally reflect on my past and learn from my lessons and learn about myself learn what my non-negotiables are moving forward and all of those things and if you have not done that work if you have not reflected on your past to an extent where you feel like you are the most healed version of yourself currently, then we probably won't be compatible. Not because we don't have the same missions or values, but because if we're in different stages of that healing and like depending on how far those stages are, then we just simply may not be moving forward on the same path. Or once you get to that same stage of healing, Maybe you realize that what you think you want is not what you actually want. It's not what actually serves you best. And so I think that's why compatibility has a lot to do with your past, because it has to do with like your learning and reflecting and healing from the past to inform how you want to move forward and what you value moving forward and what you value moving forward and what you want to move forward is ultimately like the compatibility piece. Um, And so, again, like it's not groundbreaking by any means, but I guess I just wanted to share that because for a lot of people, I know for myself, I am thinking about like one X in particular, if we're just going to be honest. And our chemistry is so undeniable. Like it's, what's the word? It's almost like tangible. Like you can almost feel it when you walk into the room. Like the chemistry is just absolutely undeniable. It is so like radiant and it is so strong and so powerful and that's such a beautiful beautiful feeling and a beautiful like kind of connection to have with someone but at least in this moment of our lives like we're not compatible and 
that could be for a variety of reasons and I'm not going to get into that. But when I realized that we were able to have chemistry and not be compatible, even after we've broken up and et cetera, it almost gave me the freedom to like let go um, of not hate, but like of anger, right? Like it gave me the freedom to forgive myself for pushing and fighting so hard because there we have such great chemistry and we could be compatible, right? But we're not at this moment for, again, a variety of reasons. And so for me, like it just gave me permission to forgive myself and to forgive him, right, for hurting me and to forgive myself for like allowing the hurt to a certain extent and like for fighting for someone who was hurting me, whether it was intentionally or not, right? Like ultimately I was fighting for someone who wasn't fighting for me. And it took me a long time to like forgive myself for that because I was like, where's my confidence? Where's my self-respect? Like, where is it? And then it was like, it's still there, right? But I, again, until recently had thought that chemistry meant compatibility. And I was like, no one else is going to have this kind of chemistry with me. Like, I'm not going to feel this way about anyone else. And it's not going to be the same kind of chemistry. Obviously, that's unique to us. But I can have just intense just as intense chemistry with someone else. And just because I haven't experienced it yet doesn't mean that it's not out there and doesn't mean that I won't be compatible with that person. But understanding that our chemistry didn't mean compatibility was like, okay, you were fighting for what you thought at the time. And as you, you know, as you know better, you do better. And so for anyone who maybe has also like beat themselves up for what they have tolerated in the past or for just like not understanding where they were coming from here's your permission to like give yourself grace um and give yourself the grace that you give a friend i actually i won't go into this too much but i just feel like a lot of people talk to themselves so like atrociously myself included not as much now because I don't want people to get concerned and we've definitely like done a lot of work on that. But I used to be the absolute worst to myself. Like I used to repeat to myself absolutely atrocious things that other people have either said to me about me or about themselves or about others. And I very much like internalize those things. And I would say this, the absolute meanest things to myself that I would never, ever, ever even think about saying to a friend. And I realized that I can't love my friends more than I love myself, right? And so if I wouldn't say it to a friend, why would I say it to myself? Like, I think it's really rude and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And honestly, part of it came from ego because it was like, okay, if I don't hold my friends to the standard, if I wouldn't be criticizing them or talking down on them, then why am I holding myself to the standard? Do I think that they're, do I think that I am better than them? Do I think that I am more capable than them? And the answer is no, right? Like I surround myself with phenomenal people. And if I give them so much grace, then I deserve to give myself that same amount of grace because we're different, but I'm not better than them. And I think when I realized that me holding myself to impossible standards that I wouldn't hold my friends to came from a place of ego and came from like a self-sabotaging nature of if I hold myself to impossible standards and I never meet them, that I'm like justified in criticizing myself and tearing myself down. When I realized that all of that was just like a self-sabotaging construct, then I was able to unlearn it and it was really freeing. And so I feel like a lot of people do that. And if you are under the sound of my voice, if you are in this community with me, then you are a healer, you are a generational chain breaker, you are reparenting and unlearning all of the things that have been passed down to you. And so for anyone who that resonates with, here's your permission to acknowledge that you are so capable and so deserving of giving yourself your own love and your own grace the same way that you give a friend or a best friend or a cousin, right? Like you are allowed to make mistakes and you should. You should enjoy the process of learning about yourselves and understanding that you simply doing that work and having that self-reflection is already a huge step in breaking those chains and unlearning and in setting like a new a new path for generations to come. Um I feel like that got really like deep and woo-woo and I am like kind of woo-woo. We know this about me. 
But something else that I wanted to talk about really quickly on here, I can't believe how long this has been, is some of my like uncommon goals for February because it is the first and that is super, super cool. And I think about how January I did a lot of nothing, to be honest. Like I accomplished things, sure. And again, hyper productivity, like you don't need to accomplish something every day or every week. But I definitely think there is value in like setting goals for yourself or just like trying to live more in alignment with your values. Um, there's a whole episode that me and Kay DeCoss did. So shout out to you, Kate, if you're listening, um, called Living a Value-Based Life or something of that nature. And that was a really cool episode. Y'all should check it out if you want. But so some of the things that I want to do in February is I want to watch the sun rise every weekend. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in New York. And so sunrises are supposed to be beautiful. And the few that I've seen really are. But I just haven't made it a habit. And I'm not going to lie to myself and say, like, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every day for all of February because that's not really a value of mine right now. Like, that's not something that I truly desire. Um, But I do want to see the sunrise. And I think if I can wake up that early at least one day a week, especially on the weekend when like I have the time to take a nap if I need to later on, it will, I think it'll just feel really good. And there is such a magic about early mornings when the world is quiet and you feel like you're watching the world start as the sun rises. I don't know. That's just like for me, there's just like a magic in the air um, of that like stillness of knowing that people are just getting their day started and like there's so many possibilities ahead for every individual story. And I don't know. That just for me is something that I want to do. So I want to watch the sunrise every weekend um, or at least one day every weekend. I also want to just like spend time with a friend or family. Wow, I can't speak, y'all. Spend time with a friend or family member. There we go. Once during the week. I really want to break this cycle of only like living or doing fun things on the weekend. And my work schedule is atrocious right now. I'm going to be totally honest. Like I'm working until 8 p.m. some days and I'm really not loving it. But nonetheless, like I want to make sure that I'm actually living during the week and that I'm not just working because again, like work leisure balance. And so I want to make sure that at least one day during the week, I'm going over to like Aditi's house for dinner, or I'm hanging out with one of my cousins, or I'm doing a movie night with like one of my local friends. Like, I just want to be doing something that feels like it's just for me as a person during the week as well, and not just on the weekends and like saving the weekends to be the only time in which I'm actually focusing on me, like as an individual, not as an employee. So, if you are someone who also wants to learn to like, maximize your weeks I would encourage you to maybe take this journey with me right and just like every Tuesday every Wednesday just pick one day a week and be like okay this is the day where I'm gonna hang out with a friend we're gonna do a girls night we're gonna watch the bachelor where I'm gonna go to like a family member's house and we're gonna cook and we're gonna have dinner together and like that's our weekly catch-up like I I really think there's value in establishing those things because if you don't carve out those times especially if you don't live in like a convenient radius with your community then it's so easy to not be connected with them and that connection is so important um so yeah that's that. Something that I am already starting off on a great foot because I'm recording this and I will be releasing this in like an hour um, is I want to release a new podcast episode every week. I This was totally just a brain dump, as I've said. And so I hope that there was something of value in this for y'all. Um, but I definitely want to do one episode every week. I tried in January and it just like totally got away from me which I don't love, but whatever. I got a couple episodes out and I have some episodes in the chamber. I just have to edit them. So I firmly believe and I'm like sticking to it. And I hope that y'all will hold me accountable to releasing a new episode every week in February. So four episodes this February. I want to read a book. I have not read for leisure sincerely in maybe like a year and a half, which is ridiculous. And that's totally my fault. But it's something that I want to get better at because I have just like a library of books that I have not read. And I love reading and I love books. I love a physical book, too. Like, I'm not 
I don't can't have like a nook like I don't like virtual reading but there is something so beautiful about just like falling in love with the story and getting lost in the pages and realizing that you've been sitting on the couch but like immersed in a story for three hours it's a very different feeling when you stick your head up and you're like wow I've spent three hours reading versus like wow I've just spent three hours watching this movie that I didn't even mean to like they're maybe this is back to the productivity thing but I feel better about myself when I'm like okay I got lost in a book then I got lost watching TV and maybe it's just because I'm on screens so much of the day that like I just want to cut down my screen time in general like not even hours on my phone necessarily but literally just like the amount of time that my body is looking at or in front of screens like I want to minimize that time and so post work if I dive into a book instead of finding a new Netflix comedy special to watch, then I think that'll serve me well. So I want to read a book. I haven't decided which book. I would love to read more than one book, but I am being honest with myself and setting like attainable goals because ultimately it's about living in alignment with my values, not necessarily about like the quantity of the goal. And then last is that I want to intentionally decorate my room so that it's even more me. And I feel like this has been a goal that I've had for literally like a year and a half now since the pandemic really started and I like moved in and I have a really exciting thing that I won't actually talk about right now but there is an opportunity for me uh to relocate and I'm you know taking that into consideration and maybe doing that maybe not um if I end up doing it I will talk to you all about it later but for right now I kind of want to keep that to myself and like the people that are immediately in my life um but I really just want to like decorate my room more intentionally because as I've said, my room is my space, right? And it's the place where I like rejuvenate and relax and rest and recover. And I just want it to be a place where like when I look at every corner of the room, like there is something that brings me joy. Right now there's a lot of empty space because I just haven't committed to like an aesthetic or whatever. And honestly, it's less about the aesthetic, but I literally just want to like decorate my room with things that bring me joy and I'll find a way to make it work. Like I just want to give myself the freedom and permission to buy things that bring me joy without worrying about the aesthetic or worrying about if it matches because I'll find a way. Ultimately, like if it brings me joy, that's the purpose of it. And so, yeah, I just want to like do that and like spend with intent, right? I don't want to like be frivolously spending, but really if I see something and I'm like, wow, this could be useful and it brings me a lot of joy, why wouldn't I incorporate it into my room, you know? So yeah, those are my like uncommon or I guess just like not things that I hear of as goals a lot from other people. So those are my uncommon February goals. I'm curious what like y'all's goals are, what things or like habits you're trying to build that are more in alignment with the life that you want to like curate and cultivate. So let me know, DM me, comment down below. Before I wrap this up, a couple of things. So I do have two affiliate codes, one for EF Ultimate Break, which is a travel company for 18 to 29 year olds. I have traveled to Costa Rica and Greece with them. I'm going to Iceland and Bali with them this year and then Thailand next year. And I am just so, so excited. And I have friends who have done a variety of trips that I haven't done as well. So if you are interested in traveling on a budget, especially because it's entirely curated for you which is my favorite thing about it. If you are someone who, you know, travels a lot or has to plan a lot in your day-to-day life, then something about like having the entire vacation experience be taken care of is so cathartic because the entire vacation is just relaxing, right? You don't have to stress out about anything. Everything is taken care of and there's just so much value in that and peace truly is priceless. Um, but I do have a $100 discount code for you all. So if you are interested in EF Ultimate Break, then you can use the code UA for Ultimate Ambassador. So UA Sienna XIANNA 100 for $100 off your first trip. If you are a repeat traveler, there are repeat traveler codes and so you can always get discounts through that, but if this is your first trip, please use code UA Sienna 100 for $100 off. 
Um, with that being said, the other code is for Orgain, which is a like wellness supplement company. I personally use the protein powder. I use the fudge flavor, the like chocolate flood, the chocolate fudge flavor. Um, which is no surprise if you know me because I simply love chocolate. Um, and that's my favorite product if I'm going to be totally honest. And so that's what I use because I love it, but they do have like collagen, protein pancake mix, bars, pre-made shakes if you don't want the powder. Um, and so for that, you can get 30% off of any Orgain product. Just go to Orgain.com, O-R-G-A-I-N. And then at checkout, use code XO30 for 30% off. And absolute, absolute last thing before I let y'all go, which is a request, is that if you could please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify for this podcast not just this episode uh i would really really appreciate it i would love if you gave it five stars but give it your honest rating leave an honest review again this is our community and i am always looking to provide value and i would love to grow our community and so feel free to share any episodes that you have you know gained some value some insight some perspective from with people that you think could benefit from it and again if you could leave a five star rating on apple podcast and spotify and then on apple podcast you can also leave a written review that does a lot for the algorithm and potentially putting me on like podcast playlists that they curate and things of that nature and helping me get exposure that would be great so without further ado beautiful people happy february thank you so much for rocking with me love and light